Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. You would grab your Bibles today, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 30, reading with verse 11. Exodus 30 and verse 11. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Tonight, I'm going to pray that there will be a great touch of the Spirit of the Lord here tonight when the Mennonite youth choir from the area, different parts, they've gathered from different churches, I think even states will be here. And I believe it's going to be a great time. We want to move of God. Amen. I believe the Lord's going to move, don't you? Every service, we want there to be a move of God. Tonight, and I realize there's two different groups coming to sing. One tonight and one uh, is coming Saturday. Battle Cry will be with us Saturday. Just a reminder, tonight, you, you don't have to register for tonight. Just come. It's going to be amazing. We got we put more seats out. and It's going to be a great time in the Lord. Can you, can you say praise the Lord? Exodus 30, verse 11 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel... After their number, then they shall give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When thou numberst them, and there be no plague among them, when thou numberst them, he said, When you're taking roll call, this they shall give. Every one that passeth among them that are numbered, half a shekel. Everybody say, affordable. Half a shekel. After the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel is 20 garas. And half a shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. A, a gera is bean. And it's saying that everyone that weighs in with the atonement offering is to give a half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. That shekel, that shekel weighs 20 geras. It's based upon God's creation, God's design, God's measurement. It's never wavering, it's never wavering measure. Everyone, verse 14, that passeth among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when they give an offering to the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. And I'd like to talk to you today about the measure of the sanctuary. The measure of the sanctuary. Would you clap your hands and praise Him for His goodness. Amen. Somebody say amen. You may be seated. There is a measure that we must live up to that is expected. When you are measuring things, when you are measuring your soul, when you're measuring your way of living, when you are measuring salvation, you have to understand today that we all have opinions on what should be, what shouldn't be, moral codes and What's right? What is wrong? What's expected? I want to say to you today that he said that when you come into the house of God and you are being numbered, roll call was being taken with the Jews. He said on that day, everyone, somebody say everybody, is to give an offering to the Lord. It's an atonement offering. And that atonement offering is a half shekel. The rich do not have to give more. The poor do not have to give less. What he was saying was is that salvation can, can be obtained by anybody. This is a scriptural typology, meaning atonement can be for everybody. Everybody can be saved. No one has to live a higher standard than the other. Doesn't matter where you come from, what background you have, grace is sufficient. It's attainable for every single person in this room to be saved, to be atoned, to be redeemed, and to make heaven. Everybody can. You don't have to be born in my house. You have to be raised in the church. The rich don't have to give more, and the poor do not have to give less. It's saying that there's just one price of salvation. I'm glad to tell you today, Jesus paid it all. Amen. Come unto me freely, he said. Praise God. He made a way where there seemeth to be no way. 
And so when they would come in, though, they, they had to weigh in. It was a balanced beam, if you will, two pans on the beam. They would come in and give their half shekel to show up that they, as their offering of atonement, their salvation that they have. That in this pan, there would have been a measurement known as the shekel of the sanctuary. When they would come in on this pan, they would put their half shekel. They would put the measure that was, that was the standard of weight there. I want to say to you today is that the measure was not after any other shekel than the shekel of the sanctuary. The measuring in, the measuring up was based upon what was in the house of God and not was in the world. And that day, everybody hold up three fingers and say there were three different types of shekels. That's right. That was the weights of measure. Like we would say ounces or, or pounds or, or uh, a different measure. There was, uh, in that day, three different types of shekels. There was the king's shekel. There was the merchant shekel. And then there was the shekel of the sanctuary. Just like when America was founded, there were two different types of pounds. One pound weighed 12 ounces. The other pound weighed 16 ounces. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to go buy gasoline and think I'm getting a gallon of gas and they're selling me a half a gallon. Can I get a witness? I wouldn't want to be um, uh, going and get me a 16 ounce uh, drink of sweet tea and, uh, and, they, they, and, and it's only a 12 ounce. I wouldn't, how many's ever opened a bag of potato chips and felt robbed? And I get a witness in there, you know. They sell you a big bag with a little bit. Supposedly there's a weight of measure on there. Yeah. Lord help, help my attitude, praise God. But you understand that when you go to purchase your gas today or this week, at the pump there is going to be a sticker that says the last time that the standards of weight and measures in our country had tested to make sure that you are getting what you paid for. You're getting what you expect. Because you don't want to pay for 16 ounces of gold and you only get 12 ounces of it. Let me just put it this way. You don't want to stand before God and, and have expectation of a 16 ounce salvation and you only show up with 12 ounces because somebody told you you were saved when you were not saved. Well, I think I'm all right. And we got things like this. We got all like noses. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got an opinion. Well, I just don't think God. I don't think he would. I just don't think he, he's again, I don't think, let me tell you something. You better be careful what you say God thinks because he has given us the weight of measure. When you look in, in history, you will find that the king's shekel, the king's shekel, what I would call that is the government's opinion, the government's law of order. There was a king's shekel you could weigh in at that was different than the merchant shekel and different than the shekel of the sanctuary. Can I say to you today, just because the king says it's okay, just because the government says it's okay, does not make it okay. Don't measure your standard of morality, your standard of salvation based upon what's legal. Can I go to the next one quickly here today and tell you that the merchant shekel, the merchant shekel, that's where, that, that's where you buy your goods. That's the marketplace. That's everywhere you go. That's what culture's doing. That's where everybody's buying and selling. Could I say to you, you can't base your salvation upon what everybody else says is the standard. What everybody else, what's culture doing? What's, that's the merchant shekel. You want to be right with God? You got to come in and weigh in. And what is the shekel of the sanctuary? What does the house of God say is right? What is the word? Can I tell you today very clearly? What is the weight and measure of the church? What is the weight and measure of the sanctuary that I will stand before God and weigh in and judge one of these days? Can I tell you what it is? It's that book right there. That book is the shekel of the sanctuary. That book is what determines whether I'm morally right or not. Quit judging yourself according to family tradition. That's the merchant sanctuary. Quit measuring yourself upon Supreme Court decisions and local laws of the land. That's the king's, that's the king's shekel. I come to preach to you. If there's ever a day to fall in love with his word, it's right now. If there's ever a day to be right with God, it's right now. I want to be right with the Lord. Somebody say amen. And so with that being said, I say to you that in Exodus chapter 40, all the way through Exodus chapter 47, 
that God took a prophet. God took a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a powerful man. Ezekiel was taken by an angel of the Lord and brought up to a great mountain. And at that mountain, you will find that God sent him an angel with a measuring reed in his hand. He sent him with a a rope in his hand. And the goal was to measure the church. It was to measure, Brother Melik, the house of God. He started at the door and he stretched the measure on the door to see if the door was big enough to let people in. If the door was high enough to let people in. He measured the door and Ezekiel 40 and verse 22, it says that he measured the windows of the door. He measured the windows that were above the door. You know what? And the Bible says that the measurement of the windows were proportional to the door. It was sort of like this, that the vision of the church determines the entrance of the doors of the church. That you will never have in your church, in the temple, a group of people that you can't see that belong there. He said, please understand that the door will never be bigger than the vision. And if all we see is old people in the church, the door is only going to let old people in the church. If all we see is young people coming in the church, the only people in the church is going to be young people. If we only see white people, we only see black people, we only see Hispanic people, we only see Asian people. But we cannot measure who can come to the church based upon our traditional preferences. The Bible says in the day of Pentecost, they gathered from every nation under heaven. The measure of the sanctuary has to match the measure of the scripture. I say, whosoever, let him come. Amen. Whosoever, let him be. Whosoever, let him be in the church. And we see that in Joel chapter two. Joel said it like this in the end time church. I, I preached hard this morning about sin. I'm going to preach hard right now about some other things that we need to get a measure for. And when you begin to look at the scripture, Joel saw it. He saw the end time church. He saw a door that was so big in the kingdom. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit upon all flesh. He said, sons and the daughters are going to prophesy. The young people are in the church. He said, old men are going to dream dreams. Brother Bale, is that you? You didn't have to agree with me. Amen. (laughs) Old men are going to dream dreams. He says young men are going to see visions. You know what he's saying? It's going to be a multi-generational church. They're going to be kids. They're going to be kids 8, 9, and 10 years old. They're going to be young kids 3, 4, and 5 that love God. They're going to be teenagers 15 and 16, 17 years old that are used of God mightily. But there's also going to be an elder demographic in the church that's still being used of God. It's going to be everybody in the church. Come on, can I get a witness? I'm talking about the measurement of the church. I'm talking about the measurement of what God expects. And watch this. He said, sons and daughters. He said, old men and young men. He said, servants and handmaidens. It's talking about every demographic, economically, generationally, ethnicity, and man and woman. The measurement of the church isn't a man's church. It's not a woman's church. It's not a young person's church. It's not an old person's church. It's not a specific ethnicity's church. It's not a specific financial church of of demographic. I come to tell you, it doesn't matter if you crawled up from under a bridge this morning. It doesn't matter if you live in a mansion this morning. It's for you and your children. It's for all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Bible said, whosoever will. He went there and he measured the door. Everybody say the door. You know, when Noah built the ark, there is no measurement given about the door. But he told him what was going to come. Every animal, beast of the field, fowl of the air. You know what he did? He built a door big enough, not just for humans, not just for mice. I wish he'd have cut them out, amen. And wasps and snakes and we can go down the line, can't we? Because all of you got your opinion. Glory to God. Glory to God. But you know what? He envisioned elephants. And so he built a door big enough to let everybody in. And I come to tell you in this end time church, it's a, it's a church big enough that God's drawing everybody, every person, every individual. I want the measure of the church, amen, to be the measure of the book. How many believe it's for everybody? 
everybody. Come on, clap your hands and praise him and say it's for everybody. The disciple says, who can be saved? And Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. He measured all kinds of things. He measured the entrance. He measured, he measured the dining hall, praise God. Aren't you glad there's a dining hall? Well, apostolic people don't know what to do without food after a good service. Try to be the pastor and call a fast. Hear people growling. and I've had, heard people growl when I say, we're going to fast. Urgh. You talk about coffee, it's a whole new level of growl, let me tell you. Diet Coke, that's a whole new level right there. But there is in the house, a dining hall, fellowship, a place where strength can be done and nourishment. There's not only that, there is a distance. The largest measure, the largest measure. Hey, grab that right there. Grab that right there. Brother Ryan bought me this. That's a 35-foot tape measure. Stretch it on out there. The largest measure of the temple was nearly one mile. And there was the distance between the holy and the profane. Could I say to you, to let profane things in your house isn't pleasing with God. It was in a circular wall that went all the way around the temple. And that day, warfare would not allow one arrow, one catapult to be shot that could touch the house of God. The distance there was so that the person inside the temple couldn't be touched by the enemy without. And the distance of that measure was the distance between the holy and the profane. It matters what we let in our lives. Holiness still matters to God. Would you clap your hand and say it matters to God? Holiness matters. What I watch, what I listen to, where I go, what I do. And hear me today, the measurement cannot be based upon the measure of society. Because today, everything's acceptable. Every sin's allowed. Every moral thing is okay. Because now it's legal to do this and smoke that and go here and do that. Can I tell you, do not base what you do on the king shekel. Get back to an altar and say, what does God want me to do? How does God, I am preaching to people in this room right now, you want to be right with God. Every single thing in you wants to be pleasing to him. You know we're at the end of this race and in this journey. I want to be right with the Lord. Somebody shout, measuring. It's the measure of the sanctuary. It's the measure who can be saved, how to stay saved, and what God can do with us. He measured a lot of things. He measured an altar. He measured an altar, and the altar was a big deal. Go ahead. You, you don't, we, come on, grab the, grab the tape measure. He measured the altar. Is the, is the altar of the church big enough? Is the altar big enough? Listen, oh, I'm sad to tell you that the altar, the anchor is too small. We're not praying enough. We're not praying enough. We're not pleasing God in our homes, nor are we pleasing Him in this sanctuary. God's calling this church back to an altar of prayer. Today, I call a prayer meeting. I, I realize there's events going on, things, but we call a prayer meeting tonight at 5, tomorrow night, 7, Tuesday night at 7. I want to pray before church on Wednesday because the Lord has dealt with me that our altar is not where it needs to be. Who are you? I'm the pastor of this congregation. Go ahead, stretch it out a little longer. The Lord said, it's not big enough. The altar was, the altar was big. And go, on, go on, let's make it symmetrical. It was about 24 foot wide. The ceiling's about 16, 17 foot to the top. But the altar was about 24 foot tall. When you went into the temple, you got in there and the altar was massive. Steps would have had to go up to that tall altar. The altar in God's measurement to the prophet, the altar is a big deal. You want, you want small altars and big miracles? Not going to happen. You want five-minute prayers and great miracles? Not going to happen. You want to have, have supernatural things that happen in your life? Build big altars. Make the altar. In the tabernacle, back in the, in the wilderness, the altar was the biggest instrument in the tabernacle. Every instrument individually could be put down inside the brazen altar because in God's mind you can't have a relationship with Him without an altar. I preach to you. I preach to me. I preach to all of us. You want to see your family saved? You want to see a miracle in your life? You want to see a city change? Build the altar. Don't just have good church. Build an altar in the church. How many believe that an altar is necessary? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now I'm going to preach here for a little bit. He built the altar. He measured some other things. He went back to the gate and measured. After the altar was built and the profane disconnected from sin and disconnected from unholy things. Watch what 
happens. In Ezekiel 47, he goes back and he stands at the door. He stands at the door. He stands at the entrance. Remember that door, that gate that we measured at the beginning of the message? He goes back to the door and when he's there, it's almost like there's a rumbling. It's almost like there is something happening. It's almost like something's moving. And he turns around and looks and water is flowing out of the temple. It comes from the top of the mountain, almost like a volcanic mountain. If you can picture it, the temple's on top. Water is coming out of the earth and it's coming up and it's flowing out of the temple and it's flowing down the mountain. The Bible tells us that he, he, the angel had him to begin to measure. Ezekiel 47 and three. Can I preach a few minutes here right now? He started measuring. He measured the temple, but then he starts measuring what comes out of the temple. He measured all about the temple. He measured the entrance of the temple. He measures the distance to the unholy thing from the temple. He measures the height of the doors, the width of the walls, the thickness of the walls, the dining rooms of the church, the vision of the church. He measures everything. When it's laid out exactly the way it's supposed to be, he said, Ezekiel, get back to the door. I want to show you the plan, the purpose of the church. I want to show you what happens when the measure of the sanctuary is where it needs to be. Watch what happens, the Bible says. Afterward, he brought me, verse one, he brought me again under the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east and the waters came down from under, from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward. He led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out, somebody shout, waters. Waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. He brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. He gets a thousand cubits. This is a short measure, but he gets a thousand cubits and it's ankle deep. He said, and he measured, measured a thousand cubits and the waters were to the knees, to the knees. He measured another thousand and the waters were to the loins. It was up to here now. Every thousand cubits, it got deeper. Every thousand cubits, it was increasing. Every thousand cubits, something happened. But look at verse five. Afterward, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass over. It was a river that could not be measured. It was a river that the depth couldn't be measured. The width couldn't be measured. The impact of it could not be measured. It was waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. Can I just put this in perspective? That when they did what God said to do, when they measured up to the temple the way God wanted it to be, something came out of the temple. And when it did, it was a river of waters. Somebody shout a river. Every thousand cubits, it was deeper, deeper, deeper. But here's what's interesting, is the water originates from the temple. Where did it come from in the temple? Anybody know? It came out of the altar. When they built the altar before the Lord, a stream came out of the altar and ran out of the door and it ran outside and it went to desert places. Everywhere the water touched, it healed. It was supernatural. Desert places become forests of luscious trees. That trees that produce fruit every month, every month there were trees that had production. There was success. There was prosperity. There was healing. There was great things that were taking place. Everywhere the water went to. But here's the point I'm going to preach to you right now. It was supernatural water. The Bible calls it living water. The water was not fed by other tributaries. You go out here to the wild bridge, two rivers come together. How many knows that? Is that the Licking and Muskingum? Is that right? They join right there at the wild bridge. The wild bridge crosses two rivers. When you get there, what you'll find is the river gets bigger when the other river feeds it. But not this river. This river is not getting bigger because it's fed by other tributaries. The farther you go, tributaries aren't feeding it because it's running into desert places. This water, as it moves, it grows. It's within itself. It's not fed from without. It's fed from within. 
It is living water. That water as it's running, I don't believe every thousand cubits that it just, you step down in the deeper water. I believe between the altar, between the door and a thousand cubits, it was growing the whole time. It's getting deeper the whole time. When you go from ankle deep to knee deep, it is increasing the whole time. When you go from knee deep to hip deep, it is increasing within itself. Oh, I feel like preaching to you right now. Is that as the river flows, it increases in your life. Until a place, there is no measuring the impact of it. Can I just word it this way? You can measure your 10% tithing check. You can measure your offering check you write to the church. But you can't measure the outcome of the blessings that's going to come out of that sacrifice. What plan on talking about this? But the Bible, I'm going to prove this to you. The Bible says that Levi, who was Abraham's great-grandson, he received tithes in the bosom of Abraham. You know what that means? When Abraham was paying tithes, he was creating blessings three generations down the road, three to four generations later. You can measure your altar, but you can't measure the blessing. Can I say this? You can measure an hour of prayer. You can measure a phase of fasting. You can measure how much coffee you're not drinking. You can measure how many doors you've knocked, how many people you witnessed, how many times you went to church. You can measure what you give God, but you cannot measure God's response to your altar. You can't measure this river. You can't measure this stream. It increases from within. Clap your hands and praise him right now. I can measure what I do for God, but I can't measure the blessing that's going to be in my kids. I can't, I can't measure the blessing that's going to be in my grandkids. Hallelujah, I come to preach to you today. Every time you go to church, there's a measuring of that. Every time you give, there's a measuring of that. Every time you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, bend your knee with a sleepy eye and start covering your family in prayer, you can measure that all the way down to the second, if you will. But what you cannot measure is what God's going to do through that altar into your family, into your marriage, into your children and into your community. You can measure some things, but you cannot measure what God's going to do in your life. Can I say to you today, we can measure holiness. We can measure righteousness. We can measure pure things. We can measure turning certain things off. We can measure it. But what we cannot measure is what God is going to do with our temple. What God is going to do with our house of worship. What God is going to do with our family. What God is going to do with our ministry. Look at your neighbor and say you need to measure up to what's been taught you. The Bible says judgment must begin at the house of God. All of us are going to give account. God's going to pull out the balance beam and measure and say, but your pastor, I had your pastor to tell you this. I had your pastor to teach you this, but why? Why don't you measure up? Well, I just don't agree with him. I just don't agree. You know, I just think the Old Testament was for the old generations. And, I, and you can't do that. You've got to get back in the word and believe that because we need to measure up. But let me tell you what happens when we measure up. When God is pleased with our temple, when our doors are right, when our vision is his, when our altars the way he expects it. When our things we do for him matches up with the measure of the sanctuary. Can I tell you, there's a blessing coming out of that that you can't measure. Can I preach to you today? We cannot determine who God can forgive or not forgive. We can't determine who can be healed or not healed. We cannot measure who can be saved or not saved. Quit measuring the outcome of the cross. The outcome of his mercy. Amen. You can measure some things, but there are some things that you can not measure. Can I preach to you? You can't measure a miracle. You can't measure mercy. You can't measure his forgiveness. You can't measure his grace. It doesn't matter where you've come from, what you've done. There's an equal playing field. Everybody can be saved. Everybody can be healed. And everybody can be set free. You know what I say, Brother Cody? Let's not measure which city can have revival and which one can't. Let's quit measuring which country can have revival and which one can't. If you build an altar, quit measuring which waiter that waits your table can be saved and which one can't. What if we left this building today saying there's no limit on who God can forgive. There's no limit on who God can save. There's no limit on who God can take back. I wish somebody would clap your hands and say, quit measuring people. Let God 
let God measure. And I preach to people that are under the sound of my voice. You've already measured yourself as a place of unforgiving. You've measured yourself as a place of no mercy left for you. You've measured yourself as someone that God doesn't see, God doesn't hear because of your mistake. But if you only understood... <coughs> That you're measuring according to condemnation in the way of your flesh. Quit measuring the way the devil wants you to measure. The way, come on, society will throw you aside, but God will bring you back. Family will, will disconnect from you and say, we're done. We've done all we, we're done. But you know what? God can bring you back. I can tell you that the drug addicts, when you're done, you don't have any more money. They say no more. But let me tell you, when you come at the end of your rope, there is a God that says his, his mercies are renewed every morning. I realize I'm preaching fast, but I'm preaching what I feel in the spirit. Quit measuring what God can do and believe he can do anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quit measuring what he can do in Zanesville. I said, well, that's Ethiopia. That's Ethiopia. He can do that in Ethiopia. He can do that in the jungles of India. He can do that. Oh, that, well, that's Guatemala. They don't, they, they don't have what we have here. So he can do it there, but he can't do it here. Quit measuring. Measure the altar. Measure, measure the standard of the church. Measure the things that are right that God expects out of your life. Measure the scripture to your life. But quit measuring what God can do with your prayer meeting. Who knows what God... You know what I wish would happen right now? Is that we would stretch the measure over our eyes and start seeing people the way God sees people. That God, we would begin to see us as God sees us. We would let God... Come on, I feel this in the room. I don't want to look at people the way I look at people. Family tradition looks at people. When you get saved, God will remove prejudice from your spirit. When you get saved, God will remove racism from your spirit. When you get saved, God, uh, remove uh, uh, hurts and, and blurs. You know, when you, when you, when you get hurt, you put, on, you put on lenses that blur that blur the promises while magnifying the problem. When you get saved, it'll remove the lens of bitterness, remove the lens of offense. I feel a revival in this church if we'll build an altar before him. That there are going to be things that happen that we cannot foresee. That God's going to do more than we could ever expect. Everybody say, as the water moved. It increased. So when the blessing comes to you and it stops at you, the Bible says the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. What that means, if the blessing of God comes to you, Zion, but you don't let it go through you, it has no power. Same way with finances. It's the same way with talents. the same way with time. If God gives you a gift and you let it come to you but not through you, it has no healing power. When God blesses you, it's to come through you, not just to you, but it heals you in the process. If you lock all the doors, my concern is when there's a prayer meeting and the move of God, we shut all the doors and we let the house get filled with the river. We limit it to a sanctuary and we forget the power of what God can do if we open the door and let it flow through the church and not just to the church. It was never, church was never supposed to be a place where you just come and bask in the presence of God. It's supposed to come in, soak into you, and the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow, everybody say rivers. Rivers of living water. It was supposed to come into you and flow out of you in multiple directions. Everybody say increase. I believe when we start opening the door and sending preachers out and preachers' families out to other cities, that it came into this church, but it went out seven other ways. Because the river, in verse 9, throw verse 9 up here. Everybody say, the river becomes rivers. Watch this. Verse 9. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth. Everybody say, that moveth. If you're not moving, you're turning into a marsh. You're, you're turning into a, a pool that turns to salt. If there's no movement in you. There's no ministry through you. There's no thing. Eventually, you're just going to receive like the salt lake. In Salt Lake City, like the Dead Sea, you're going to receive, but there's not going to be any life in it. The only way there's life is when God comes to you and you let him flow through you in ministry. Finances are the same way. Giving of your time is the same way. Take all your time for you, you'll be unhappy. Share your time with others, you'll be happy. Because as long as it's what? Which what? Everybody say moveth. Whithersoever the... It goes from river to rivers, it shall come. Oh, I feel this right now. 
It's not just a river now. Now it's a river. It's growing within itself. It's not fed by tributaries. The river comes in and splits and starts going different directions. That's what God wants to do with this church. He wants to flow out of our altar into here and then flow to McConnellsville, flow to Cambridge, flow down to Coshocton, flow to these different cities. He wants to flow, and guess what he did? He's flowing all the way into Guatemala, flowing in 16 different cities there right now because as it moves, it increases. Somebody shout, you're in a moving church. Come on, that means you're in a church that's increasing. How many want to be blessed by the hand of Almighty God, would you clap your hands and praise Him? The altar produces the stream. It produces the river. Look what it says. It says in verse nine, everything that moveth shall live. It says, the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come thither. For they shall be healed. And everything shall live whither the river cometh. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from in Jedi, even unto in Eglium. They shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds, as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. When the river runs out of the altar and out of the door of the temple, it runs to desert places all the way to the sea. When it touches the sea, it heals the sea, and it causes fish to swim like salmon to where? All the way to the temple. The flow goes out and it causes a stream to allow those that are not like us to come in. We cannot have growth or healing if there's no altar producing the river. It allows a flow that allows those that need healing to come in. If a sinner comes to the church, it's because there's a river flowing to them. If a person, if there's a revival in the Hispanic community, it's because the river flowed to them. If there's backsliders that come back to the Lord, it's because the river flowed to them and it gave them access to come back to God. I'm glad we have a church that's producing a river that will become rivers to reach many. Amen. What kind of revival do you want to have? Do you want to just be us four and no more? Or do you want to have a worldwide revival from right here in Zanesville? It is possible, Brother Zion, that we can have a worldwide revival that can start right here, that can impact the city. It can impact the city. It can impact just families. It can impact entire religions. It can impact different denominations. It can impact backsliders and backslidden preachers, but it's not going to happen without an altar. You can't expect a, a, a great revival with a five-minute altar. He said, early will I seek thee. Everybody say early. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, my altar is not big enough. My altar is not big enough. I'm going to build an altar in my home. I'm going to be at an altar at the church. My house should be called a house of prayer. Hallelujah in the name of the Lord Jesus. God is speaking to you right now in this building. Where's your altar? Does your altar measure up to the altar of the church? Daily will I seek thee. Hour of prayer the Bible talks about. Before I get up and start my day, am I praying? You want a miracle? Build an altar before the Lord. Somebody begin to praise him right now in this building. God's not done with you. Somebody say, God is not done with you. The measure, as I've taught you, must be after the measure of the sanctuary. Look at your neighbor and say, who are you comparing yourself to? There's only one place we can compare ourselves to. It's right there. There's a verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, and it says this. It says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Probably one of the scariest verses in all of Scripture is verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear. What's going to happen to the sinner if the righteous just barely make it? I preach to you today because the most dangerous place to be 
is feeling okay about not being right with God. Feeling okay to not be where you need to be with God. I am preaching today to you. There's only one shekel that matters. It's the shekel of the sanctuary. And if God came today, are you right with Him? Let's all stand. If God moved in this house today, are you right with the Lord? Are you right with God? Is your heart right with the Lord today? I want you to lift your hands and begin to ask yourself a question. Am I right with God? Am I right with the Lord Jesus? Come on, all over this building, I want you to begin to pray and ask God to move upon your spirit. Oh Lord, you're so, so good. All my life you have been faithful. I will sing of the goodness of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Don't count God out yet. He is not done with you. His mercies, His mercies are reaching for you. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. I I remember... I remember when I prophesied that there would be 25 people to get the Holy Ghost in this church in one year. Because I was at a meeting where people were prophesying what God could do, what they were believing for in that year. I was in that meeting and prophesied we're going to see 25 people get the Holy Ghost in this church in one year. Guess how many people got the Holy Ghost in Zanesville that year? 25. I was trying to grow in my mindset. I remember when somebody talked about having a hundred soul revival in one weekend, and I said, we're going to have a hundred soul revival in one weekend because God loves Zanesville. We saw 103 people get the Holy Ghost in one weekend. Vision of the church, door of the church. Some of you can picture others being saved, but not yourself. Others being healed, but not yourself. I want you to say right now to yourself, I can be healed. My family can be saved. And I can be forgiven. Can't measure a miracle. But there's a miracle waiting on you. Just start believing it. Because everything you can believe can happen. There's a miracle in your life. But you feel like you got to be here instead of right here. But the miracle is for you. There's a miracle waiting in your life. But you've got to believe it. That's why the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please Him. Faith lets me see what I can't. Faith lets me see what I cannot. And sometimes we have a picture of God that's not the picture of God. Let me know this truth. Pastor, why? I just, I just believe that, you know, I, I knew better. I've done, done bad. I was raised in this. I, I just don't see how God could ever forgive me. I want you to tell yourself right now, quit measuring who He can forgive, even yourself. Come on, look at yourself. Say, quit measuring God. I believe there's going to be a great revival. Even in the church of confidence. God's going to give you great confidence and remove your struggle. Because you're going to start seeing the way God sees it. But you've got to make a commitment. I want every hand lifted. I want you to make a commitment. God, I'm going to live my life according to the shekel of your word. I'm going to live my life according to the weights, measures, and standards of scripture. I'm going to quit doing it my way. Getting a small outcome. I'm going to do it your way. And receive what you have for me. How, how big? How big is God's love? Can you measure the love of God? Come on, can you measure the love of God? Then why do you say He'll do it for them, but He'll never do that for me? Because somehow... 
We think God can only do some things and that we're unworthy of some things. But listen to me. You can't measure the love of God. The Bible says His ways are past finding out. Another verse says His thoughts are above my thoughts. His ways are beyond my ways. Do you believe that? You can't measure omniscience, omnipotence, or omnipresent. You can't measure it. When David said, you come to me a sword, a spear, and a shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The word host means innumerable army of God. But somehow we make a mistake and we think God's done with me. He doesn't love me. You know why? Because you've got your, you got a ruler stick out. When this thing keeps going and going and going, God has no limit to his love. His love is immeasurable. His power is immeasurable. You can't measure the outcome of an altar. Do you believe that, Michael? You can't measure the outcome of repentance. You can't measure the outcome of going to the church on a Sunday night, Sister Martha, and coming to the altar. You can't measure what God did in five minutes in an altar when you said, here I am. You can't measure that. But our problem is we let the devil measure God. We let our mind measure God. We let our family tradition measure God. Well, my mom always said, my dad always said that if and this, and I come to tell you, quit measuring according to your traditions and get a hold and say, what is the spirit saying? What is the shekel saying? What's God saying for my family? I'm preaching to some people in this room that have given up because it hadn't happened yet. And maybe one way is that you didn't build the altar the way it should have been. And you're discouraged because you haven't pleased God. We can fix that. How many know we can fix that? But the other thing, because it didn't happen in your timing, and so you started judging God because you, you think it should happen on your timeline. God's not going to do it on your timeline. He's got to be God. Look at your neighbor and say, let God be God. I'll close with this story. God impressed me earlier to tell you this. Many, many years ago, there's a story of a lady down in Florida lived next to the swamp area. Out of that swamp, that unmoving water, she'd always told her kids, stay away from the edge of the swamp. Don't go near the edge of the swamp. There's danger at the swamp. Says so she was on the phone and the story unfolds something like this. The lady on the phone with her tells the story. She said, all of a sudden, she began to hear the screams in the background of her five-year-old son screaming, help, help, help. Said the mother, when she heard the screams of her baby crying for help, dropped that phone with that long, you know, those long cords they had on phones back in the days. And she heard it unfold as the mother ran through the back of the yard, ran down to the edge of the swamp, and there it was, an alligator had her five-year-old boy come up out of that swamp and grabbed her five-year-old son in the abdomen and was backing out, taking her baby into the deep. That mother didn't stop right there and say to her son, I told you not to get near the swamp. That's not at all what happened. You know what that mother did? She started splashing out in that swamp. She put her hands, suck her hands into the arm of that boy. And with the other hand, she began to beat off the enemy. She began to beat off the attacker. She began to beat off the alligator. And she was saying, you can't have my boy. You can't have my son. You can't have him. And she was pulling one way and beating and holding on. And finally, she falls back with her boy and the alligator goes into the swamp. She returns. They rush him to the ER. There were some wounds from the alligator on the abdomen. About a month or so later, the local newspaper had heard of the story about the boy that survived the alligator attack. So they came and listened to the mother and they asked the mother, well, how is your son now? She said, he's doing fine, except the worst wound he has are the wounds from my fingernails. The scars from her fingernails were worse than the cuts from the teeth of the alligator. And they wrote an article, and this is what the headline of the article was, Marks of Mercy. Don't ever think one day that the devil wants you more than God wants you. 
Don't you think one day your father in heaven giving up on you when everything's trying to take you out. Can I tell you the reason you're here right now? It's because God's hand didn't let go of you. God's hand is not... Well, I went too far. No, his hand goes down further than you can reach up. He's reaching for somebody. He's reaching for somebody. You don't have to be lost in the attack of the enemy. I want you to lift your hands and say, I know his love is toward me. I know his love is toward me. I can't measure the mercy of God. But he's not done with us. He's not done with me. He's not done with my life. Come on. There's a river flowing to you right now. I wish you'd get in that stream and swim to this altar. There's a river coming to you right now. I wish you'd get in that stream and run to the altar where the stream is coming out. He's coming after me. I want the praise team to sing again. Hallelujah. But right now there's a river running. There's a blessing coming. There's a church praying. It's marks of mercy. God will do whatever he has to do to get your attention. You might have loss. You might have brokenness. It might be the handprint of God saying, I'm not letting you go. Quit measuring whether you can be saved or not. It's only a half shekel. Everybody can be saved. You don't have to be in a church or you don't have to be saved. You don't have to come from a perfect home, rich in grace and mercy to be saved. This can be your first service and you're one prayer away from God reaching you. Come on, I'm sorry, Almighty God. I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, all over the building, I want to begin to pray. God, I need you. Lord, I need you. I wish somebody in desperation would call out to God. I don't want my baby to be lost. Come on, I hear God saying, I don't want... You can't have my boy. You can't have my daughter. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.